Welcome to Gold Digging, where we dig for nuggets of gold and pearls of wisdom from uh, friends, family, um, inspirational people uh, that surround Stephen Webster and uh, Stephen Webster brand. So uh, really excited to be with our friend and I think family, Sue Webster. <laughs> so welcome to Gold Digging Sue. And uh, got the tattoo, the Webster she's tattoo. She's got the tattoo, which yep. was going to be one of my questions actually, because I think yeah. uh, you are a Webster, you've got a spider tattoo. <laughs> this one over here, Amy Webster, has got a spider and she's a Webster. I feel a bit. You don't have one. I'm, I'm my not... sister and brother have both got one as well. We all had one done when my dad died. Yeah. I am. Um... Do you think I should just get one? I think you should just like, yeah. Otherwise, I, I could be a member of any family. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you, do you think we're related? Well, we, I, I remember walking around um, very drunk at uh, Jay Joplin's freeze party, the White Cube. Yeah. Join freeze. And be... were we going around as, I was your ex-wife, I think, at that point. <laughs> Yeah. We've so been you, through lots of different incarnations yeah, of... Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I definitely remember times when we've announced ourselves <laughs> as the Websters. We are the Websters, yeah. And uh, which, um, which seems to work, doesn't it? An ex-wife, though, I don't know. I prefer you to be my sister. <laughs> so we could be, yeah. but you're from Leicester. Mm. So... Uh, I, I've not done my family tree of you. Well, a, a little bit, but it was a bit... It was like my dad kind of did it a bit, and it wasn't... It wasn't enough. It was like, well, the Websters originate in Yorkshire. So that was as far as it got, you We're know. We're weavers. The, well, no, yeah, weavers. Because we like yeah. weaving webs. Right. Well, that's, that's exactly what yeah. it had on this little bit of yeah. uh, family. Yeah. But then I ended up in Gravesend, you know, but, mm. uh, which mm. is sort of down the river. So I could have easily have yeah. come from... Leicester, Yorkshire, who knows? But I guess as weavers, we're related. We recently, I say we, because, you know, we've got Amy Webster here, and we were listening to you um, in conversation at the Royal Academy. And uh, it, I've always found it a bit interesting, because you talk about, you know, like, punk's big thing for you, punk. Mm. Mm. And uh, and we share a lot of musical tastes, but punk was almost the day I started art school. Punk came about, and so I went from being a bit of a southern soul boy to just being a punk. You go, oh my god, I've got to be one of those. That that's, looks that's amazing. That's much cooler. The outfits are much cooler. Yeah. But um, I always think that if someone says to me, if you if you could be reborn into any generation or any 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 part of history what would it be because I was I was a little bit too young for punk you see um so I was kind of like I was really annoyed by that if I could go back I would I would have gone back so that I could have been old enough to have seen those bands when it first happened and to be in London because I wasn't in London obviously but to have been and seen it firsthand because I got a little my, my punk experiences are all a bit secondhand I suppose which is a bit annoying well, me. yeah, but you, you've got, you know, <laughs> your punk hero yeah. is Susie Sue, yeah? Well, I, um, I suppose I, I, you know, it's weird because I don't see her as a punk hero. I see her more as my surrogate mother. Uh, and I, 
which she'd I, be horrified by. <laughs> and then you you really created that character for her, didn't you? That she was your surrogate mother because she and just felt you, like the perfect mother for you. Yeah, because I believe that I've learnt more from her than I have from my own mother. Um, and the way she looks, she could quite. She's got dark hair. She's called Susan. <laughs> um, I don't, you know. She's called Susan. And the more she I, likes cats, and she likes cats. <laughs> Talking of cats, stop doing that. Um, scratching my sofa. Yeah, we quite like it when the family pet enters the conversation. Actually, he because, will be really yeah. annoying all the way through it because he's not the centre of attention. So. I guess I adopted her as a kind of yes, as a as a as a as a mother figure, um, and I've met her a few times, but not. I've always been kind of like quite distant with her because I, you know, I and she's kind of come across. I saw her at Pam's shows because she's yeah. a big friend of Pam's. Yeah, and I got, kind of got introduced. And I Pam Hogg. Yeah, Pam. Um, and I, I don't know. I just felt that she was always always a little icy with me. I can't remember whether I told her that she was somebody that I idolised, I suppose, when I was growing up. Maybe she was a little bit... I found that strange. And so she was a bit icy with me, and I just thought that's exactly how I want her to remain. I don't want to be her, my drinking buddy. I just kind of want her to be at arm's length. I want to keep her at yeah. arm's length. Yeah, you said that to us. Because I think we assumed, just because, you know, look, you're... You're a, a high-profile person. You met her. She's there. That you would have ended up being mates, but you you kind of held back from that, yeah. right, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Which I get why. Because if, yeah. it, if it didn't want... work, she's yeah. icy already. Yeah. Don't want your mum to be icy. Do you, you had one of them? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I had. I mean, I don't know if I would call my mum icy, but I suppose I had one that was like she was loving. Yeah, but she, I, she was just my mum. Yeah. She wasn't the kind of person that introduced me to anything, if you know what I mean. That was more my dad. But mum was just the person that kind of, like, gave birth to me. Yeah. And she was always mum. Well, that's She wasn't my best friend. Which is mums do, don't they? I well, mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess I see... When I, when, when I saw friends of mine that were very chummy with their mums and went out for dinner with their mums or went to the theatre with their mums, I just couldn't quite believe it. I was like, you don't do that with your mum, surely. I, I was kind of like, because I didn't have that relationship with my own mother, so I was slightly jealous of people that did. Right. The fact that you said you, you were envious of, of, of people that were born a bit before you, maybe 10 years or something, mm. and you caught the tail end of it. Yeah. But, you know, you definitely have... Um, I have it in me. You've got it in you, because it was, it was about... <laughs> I mean, one thing was the music, but it also was that bit of DIY, wasn't it? It was a bit like you're going to do it yourself and a, a sense of of that which, uh, you know, um, had a lot of energy in it. Mm, that mm. was for sure. Well, I suppose um, it's the whole thing about not sitting around waiting for something to happen yeah. for you. You go out there and you make it happen for yourself. Yeah. And I think that the, uh, the whole YBA scene that happened in London, that whole art movement, reminds me of... Of, although I, again I was too young for that because and also we weren't living in London at the time Tim and I get associated with part of the YBAC yeah. but we weren't at all we were living in Yorkshire 
with the rest of the <laughs> with the other Websters, yeah. being a weaver. Yeah. We were a little bit of a Yorkshire by the time, you know, when the whole punk, when the whole um, YBA scene exploded. But I saw that as this thing that happened similar to the punk explosion in music was the YBA thing it was an explosion in art because it kind of didn't sit around waiting for permission no. for things to happen. It just said, wow, fuck this, I'm going to get an empty warehouse, put on a show ourselves, and then get people to come and look at it. So, yeah. and, and, it, and it obliterated everything that went before it, you know, a whole kind of like the, the, the movements that happened before that, you know, the galleries. I can't even remember them, can you, movements? I suppose before. it was the people like the Listen Gallery, you know, like the, it was very kind, there weren't a lot of galleries, were there? there and, it, you know, and it was... Um, well, they served a different purpose, for sure. You, you know, you right? had absolutely no chance whatsoever of becoming a successful artist. No. Well, anyway, I never really thought about it like that, except for, I suppose, I couldn't have imagined going into Cork Street, to a gallery in Cork Street. It would have been as intimidating as probably going into, you know, Prada at the time, when the, you mm. know, you kind of apologetically want to buy yeah. something, and then they're a bit... Yeah. And you're sort of pissed off of you already yeah. for being there. Yeah. So but, I had that conversation with someone yesterday. We were talking about Dover Street Market. And I was like, I feel when I walked into Dover Street Market, and I don't go shopping very often, but I did because I was looking for a pair of trainers. I, I knew what people meant when they felt intimidated walking into an art gallery. I don't feel intimidated walking in an art gallery because it's my world, but... I did feel intimidated you know walking in a fashion shop. I was scared, and I don't look at anything. I thought it's going to be far too expensive. It, it's, it won't suit me. So do you know what I did? I went back home, and I bought my trainers on eBay secondhand. Because <laughs> I just it's much safer to shop online. It really is. <laughs> yeah, well, I can see that. But how disappointing that a modern place could yeah. still have that old-fashioned... Yeah. Because, yeah. because the fact is, you, they lost a client. You can afford those trainers, right? I mean, I don't know how expensive a pair of trainers can be, but you could probably buy them, the ones you wanted. Yeah. And in the end, you went, I'm not going to get them here because of my feeling of intimidation and leave. Yeah, I wasn't... I didn't feel hip line. enough or cool enough, you know what I mean? Well, you, you do I'm... put a lot of effort into your the way you dress. You do. <laughs> oh, my God, don't laugh. You really do. I mean, every occasion, you, you've got... Look, you've got your style... That's not yeah. about having yeah. to look. Well, thank. Groomed wouldn't be the word God. I'd use. I am wearing actually but, my dad's sweatshirt and my dad's t-shirt. These both belong to my dad. And what does that say, Tom Petty? This is Bob Dylan and, and Tom, Tom Petty. Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yeah. yeah. So I got his wardrobe. So I've got that sweatshirt, which I was actually at that gig with my dad, and then the t-shirt underneath. This one, which is Bob Dylan and Santana, 1984. I was at this gig with my dad. Excellent. I didn't realise that until I put this on yesterday. I went to some um, posh lunch, and I it was I was looking ah. for a white tee because I was I always wear black, and I just thought, oh, the sun was out. I'm going to wear. What if I got in the white t-shirt department? But that's only got bits of white where there's not a pattern. <laughs> I suppose it's a white base. It was white. How posh was the lunch? <laughs> it was at the white cube. All oh, right. Yes. It was all women. Oh, excellent. It was great actually. Yeah, I also wore my trainers. Excellent. <laughs>
So let's go on to a bit about your art. So you're already yeah. you're already got two problems in your life. One, you were too young for punk, and then you were too young for, for the YBA. YBA. But I wasn't. I, that's not a problem. It's just that we get associated with it. You know. Well, I would have put you right in there. Part of the honest, YBA thing, but no, we were again too young for that. I mean, we're not even in London. We were we were up, up in Bradford in Yorkshire. Um, so when Tim and I left art school, instead of moving to London, like everyone did, and if we'd have moved straight to London, we probably would have... Had, yeah. had, but we didn't go well, to Goldsmiths. They no, went to Goldsmiths. Yeah, I know, you know, I know, yeah. And there's slightly time. bit of a general... What? You know, the bit older, Sarah Lucas and that, and Gary Hume, they're all yeah. kind of a bit of a... Yeah. But well, we, anyway. we were up, up north, you know, and got wind that... Uh, Why did you go up there, further up from Leicester? Yeah, I, I, I had... I, Absolutely no interest in moving to London. Because I, I, I've been to London once or twice, but I mean, I had no. Um, well, what finally interest. did it? Damien Hurst putting a shark in a tank is the right. thing that did it. Right. So we, Tim and I, went to. I went to Nottingham to go to art school. It wasn't far from Leicester, <laughs> you know, and it was yeah. a little bit more north. But um, it was where I used to go and watch bands, and I knew it. So I just thought, oh, I just moved to Nottingham when I leave home, and so I did, and. Um, and well, was there a scene there? Yeah, there was, was there... A bit a, there was a bit of a music scene, yeah. yeah. But, but not an art scene. Might no, just I was going to say, so you already collaborated <laughs> a, a half of a collaborative art uh, couple, yeah, whatever you call it. I don't well, know. Well, no, we met at Nottingham. Artists. I met him in Nottingham, right. yeah. yeah. Tim, Tim was at Nottingham. I, and I, I just thought, I've... oh, I'm going to go to college for three years and then, when I, and then maybe I'll go and get a job. Right. Oh, well, after you got all this out of your system. <laughs> well, I didn't know where it was going to go. <laughs> No, it's true. <laughs> because nowadays it's 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 taken for granted that there is a thing at the end of it. You will get a, a you know you'll, you'll make them work and you'll have a show. There was none of that. There was nothing. You know, there was no there was no scene. You know, it was just happening. I suppose so. You know, and then I met Tim and we were like we just started making things together for money, mm. just to survive when we left college. Yeah. And we made, we got offered a studio up in Yorkshire for free. And I just thought, oh, that's all right then. And so we got what? there. Didn't even know where Bradford was, you know. No, I still don't. <laughs> but, um, okay, then what was the first show you had? Um, we did little shows up in Bradford and around that area. Um, we got a studio at a place called Dean Clough, um, which is in Halifax, which was... Uh, it, that kind of introduced us to a more contemporary scene that was happening because it was kind of like the Henry Moore Foundation was based there. And, um, but Tim and I were making stuff out of junk, out of, out of found objects. Right. You know? Well, that's what I would... That was the first time probably, you know, a lot of people were exposed to your work mm. was out of these found objects. We were, we were making stuff out of stuff because we just... We were obsessed by scavenging and interesting objects that people threw away. I think I'd just met Tim and I just said, let's go to Istanbul. <laughs> because he'd never travelled at all and his family were like going, what do you want to go there for? You'll get mugged. And uh, I remember like, you know, his whole family trying to stop him from like coming away with me. And Hang I was on like, a minute, it wasn't Nottingham, it was the murder capital of Britain at one time. You're going to get mugged in Istanbul. Anyway. Well, know. Bradford was home of the Yorkshire Ripper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, right. so you didn't get mugged, but you found stuff. Did you? Did you... What was fascinating about um, the first trip abroad that we we in Istanbul was that what I didn't realise. I think I went. I wanted to go to Istanbul because I just watched Midnight Express. Yeah. 
that Alan Parker that movie. That stays with you, doesn't it? I'll never forget that. It was based that. in Istanbul and Heartbeat he was like... beat at the beginning. Drug trafficking. <sighs> Do you know this film? Oh, I know, it was brilliant. And, and you had to go, like, to the, to the last showing. You know, you, you go in there. I yeah. remember seeing it was on Shaftesbury <laughs> Avenue. I think it was like, it wasn't called the Curzon then, but it was like where the Curzon is. And mm. you just, you got, your heart was going it's with true it, story. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And um, I think for some re- weird reason, I wanted to go to Istanbul and we, when we, you know, based on that, I mean, that's enough to put anyone off. And we went penniless. But like, we spent all of our time scavenging in scrapyards because there used to be American bases there during the war. Mm. And so the Americans had imported all of their stuff, like big American fridges, Cadillacs, Chevrolets. So there was all this junk left over from the 1940s and 50s, I suppose. That, so ta- guys were driving around in taxis that they'd chopped up, extended, and it was just amazing. So taxis were Chevys, um, old American stuff. And like we spent a lot of our time scavenging in scrapyards getting as much junk as... Can you believe this junk? And just bringing it back to England, to, well, to our in studio. Your, not in your hand, like shipping it. Yeah, container. No, 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 we weren't that sophisticated. No, just in our hand luggage. Right. You know? Yeah. Just like, you know, like, I got... Got a, any liquids, got now I've got a Cadillac and half a tank. Got an aeroplane <laughs> off the front of a uh, bonnet. Um, yeah, I got, like, a clock. Uh, just tons of... And taking loads of photographs. And I just had this obsession with this sort of, like... No, that's the smoke, but I mean, fridges that were like the Americana, Americana stuff, yeah, yeah, and it was just because it was the troops. Well, we our fridges in England were were tiny under the counter things, weren't they? And they had some, they're outdoors on the windowsill, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And um, yeah, so basically, I'm I'm imagining the more sort of corroded it it was, the more interesting it was to you, was it? I I don't know. I spent spent the whole trip, like, going around scrapyards, bringing as much stuff as we could back to the studio when I was at art college and then incorporating them into sculptures. Yeah. And so when... (laughs) And when did you sort of start to put those things together and shine a light on them? And then create the images. The shadow the works. That came yeah. much, much later when oh, we moved right. to London. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I, I, we were working with both of us were obsessed by found objects and making assemblages, but not. Yeah. And I was my dad was an electrician, so I used to work for him. I was his apprentice for a while to earn pocket money, so I got a, a knowledge of electronics, and I wasn't afraid of wiring. I used to wire up cigarette vending machines in my spare time, and loved it. You know, loved it. Loved measuring cables, numbering them all, wiring them all up. I loved it. So I used yeah. to work, work for my dad. And so I incorporated a lot of electronics and flashing lights. God, so I it's like I... the flashing light thing came yeah. into the... So sculptures came, started coming alive by yeah. making things... I got indicators from cars and I was making them flash, you know, and like right. brake lights and, you know, the custom stuff, you know. So I, I was into customization and making lights flash. And Tim was very much into kinetics, making things move. And that was why we were at art school. But we weren't working together, we were separately. Then we, then we left and then moved up north and started just messing around with more scrap, big scrap yards up in Bradford, yeah. <laughs> making, you know, junk sculpture. Um, yeah, we did that for about three years. And then Tim's older brother was in London and he was, like, at the Royal Academy. So he was, like... 
into proper art used to say I'm a proper artist <laughs> chipping away at like a you know like this and we used to go fuck off <laughs> I'd be like, who do you think you are we're just having a laugh making all this stuff and then he said to us one day you want to come and have a look at this because we never frequented London we were miles away we were up there having a you know going to Man- you know frequenting Manchester and Liverpool and all that sort of the north or well that sort of area and um, the whole rave thing was happening up there, you know. And uh, so we're looking at we're looking at late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, time. the early nineties. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was the complete opposite. And, and then Tim's brother, sort of, who was like a proper artist in London, was said, "Well, somebody's put this shark in a tank. It's just like you won't believe it." He was shocked by it himself because he was like old old school, old fashioned type of thing. And it was like it felt really punk to us. It was like fuck, someone's put a shark yeah. in a tank. We've got to pay attention. So we got in our van and we drove the 200 miles. We walked in and it was like Mark Quinn's bloodhead, I think. Oh, yeah. It was like, it was that stuff. Yeah. All course. at that time, it was like 92 or something. And it was like, and we walked in, we, saw, we came face to face with that shark. And I'd had that. And Mark Quinn's head. And the head. And, I had, and had, the head was at head height. Yeah. So you looked at this thing and it was a cast of his head. I know, in blood. And it was made out of his own blood. I know. So yeah. he had his own blood taken out. Yeah. And, they, and, and so it was like a lollipop. It was like a, you know, like a lollipop, but it was like his, his blood, his, his head frozen in it ice. Was, it was because it, it was kept, it was like a... a and it was freezer. on a refrigerator. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, it was in a refrigerator, yeah, yeah, yeah. wasn't it? And yeah. uh, there was that and the shark. I think Sarah Lucas had uh, two fried eggs and a kebab. So there was this stuff, and it, I remember it, you know, like every day she had to fry up those eggs that were the nipple because it was it was this big old table that she'd found in the street so that resonated with us being into junk and scavenging and finding stuff and there was this table you know like the thing that you'd throw throw away but she'd made a self-portrait and it was two fried eggs which were her nipples and a kebab down the bottom which were the genitalia and she had to every morning fry the eggs and produce a new kebab which was like incredible, wasn't yeah, it? I know. Well, I didn't know that. I remember the works. I, I had no idea that she had to do that every morning. Yeah. yeah. Even when that piece gets reshown, they somebody has to fry up those eggs that so they're fresh every day. Yeah. And you, can you imagine that blew my mind when yeah, we yeah, saw no, that? I and that was it. like the punk explosion yeah. thing happening. The thing that we'd missed out on. It was it was that. And so we we came face to face with that. The impossibility of. I can't remember the title of that piece, but it had this really long title, something living in the mind of whatever. And it was that, you never get that close to a shark, do you? It was shocking. Although it was dead, it was alive. And you were looking at something that was bigger than you and that could could have eaten you. So there was like that. We came to London, looked at that, and I just thought, now we've got to like wake up and move to London. So it was because of Damien and that shark. That everything changed. And so you, yeah. So were you? Was it a bit of a struggle at first? Like living in London is quite expensive compared to Halifax and up in stuff. Bradford. Yeah, I just remember everything being twice the price. You know, and we didn't. I didn't know anyone in London, so I had no one to stay with. Tim had two friends, so we stayed between them on their floor, like while we tried to look for a place to live. But I cleverly thought, well. We're never going to be able to afford to live in London. We need to apply to college. <laughs> so uh, we both applied to go to do an MA. Yeah. And um, we, although we'd been working 
together, well, just messing around type of thing, we made separate applications as if we were not working together anymore. And he got a place and I didn't. <laughs> and I just thought, brilliant. We've got a studio in London now, you know, so he, he got a place at the Royal College of Art. And that was the, you know, so we got, we got subsidised flat. How can they? And a massive studio. So the work, but the work you submitted was work you'd done no, together? No, oh, totally right. different. Oh, we'd done, okay. we'd, cool. we'd, Fair we'd, enough. We submitted yeah. very different things. And he was yeah. like, he, he made like a piece of work a day. And uh, I think, I don't, I can't remember, did I apply to the Royal College of Art? I think I might have applied to Chelsea. Different. But anyway, you know, we both got interviews and then he got... But I, I, I wasn't bothered, put it that way. I, all I saw it was that, great, we've got a foot in the door. That means that we've got a free studio because we never would have... We didn't have any money. We would never have been able to afford it. So, yeah, we've got a free studio and then we got, like... Student loan? Um, I think... Well, I didn't. He got a loan. I went on the dole. I signed on. Yeah. And then I managed to... Say that I lived on my own and got housing benefit, and then he lived with me for free. Right. So you know yeah. we managed to wing it. Like so, you started working together though. Then no, he went to college and became and, and was a student for two years, and then I I sussed it that they the the tutors only only went to teach three days a week, and for the other four, which included Saturday and Sunday, there was no one there. So I used to turn up on the four days. And I had his card. He gave me his card because then the sculpture school was in Battersea on its own. Yeah. And then the main building was up in Kensington. And we were living in a flat above a Chinese takeaway in uh, Clapham South, above the tube station. <laughs> okay. The tiniest flat in the world, cockroach infested. Tiny, tiny, tiny. But it was fab, you know. And, um, you know, we, we, we didn't pay for it because I, was, I signed on and I got housing benefit. <laughs> Excellent. And um, he got the studio, yeah. So anyway, so he'd go off to the Royal College, um, he'd go to the sculpture school, and then gave me his pass. And so all you had to do is, like, pass, tap it on the door, and the door's opened. No photo and ID, I went off didn't to, matter. I went off to Kensington. Wow. And, like, went milling around, walking into a department, from department, I taught myself how to use a computer. So I just found a computer room where computers had only just been invented, kind of thing, <laughs> if you know what I mean. That's great. So there was like these. We're computers. talking about 1958 again now. <laughs> We're talking about 1992. Yeah. Nine, so you know they had the, the first Apple Macs with the yeah. little screen, the black screen, the green thingy, and I I'd one. sit in a room and they'd have two or three students in there, and I, I, I just because I, I couldn't ask a tutor to help me, I just used to ask the student. I said, "Oh, can you just tell me how to do this?" So I learned how to use a computer by just asking the students. And they all thought I was a student because I was in there every day. Of course. And then I went into the printing department and learned how to print. Yeah. I started printing T-shirts and flogged them. And then I got a job in the college, in the shop, selling art materials. And, and then printed my own T-shirts and sold them in the shop to make extra money. I befriended the people on the printmaking department. Um, they knew I wasn't a student, but they invited me to come on a college trip to New York with them. <laughs> yeah. Paid for. No, it was no. subsidised. I paid, right. I paid yeah. for it, yeah, by selling my T-shirts. But, um, yeah. So I basically was... I had the whole of the Kensington um, Gore schools. I just used to mill around, do what I, I love this idea. It's like 
the days they didn't give me a place. A the days there wasn't a tutor, yeah. you just yeah. the dark time. It's like going yeah. into a theatre and putting on a play when they're not when it's not being used. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and we were in there every weekend. So Tim was making stuff, and I was like, you know, I, I started helping him, you know, make stuff, and then we, you know, I got him through, helped him with his degree, and then as soon as he'd finished. It, what, what was interesting was that um, when he graduated, there was a big graduation at the um, Royal Albert Hall. So it was, the, it was the graduation day when you'll turn up with your, yeah. Yeah, your yeah. thingy. So I turned up with Tim in my normal clothes and oh. everyone was like going, oh, right, you've been really punk, you're not graduating. And I said, well, I, I'm, I can't, I'm not allowed to, I was never a student. <laughs> well, they were a bit shocked. These are <laughs> you, you've probably got to know quite well, I, a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Brilliant. Anyway, well, that's such a good story. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go back a bit. So when you first went to New York, did that, did that leave a, an impression on you, or was it just...? I've been to New York before. Oh, you are? All right, I didn't know. I mean, we, I, I went after Istanbul. OK. Because <laughs> I, right. so I got so much into for. the American memorabilia and the, the, yeah. the Americana. I think the following year, I said, let's go to, let's go to America. So we travelled across America, from New York to LA, on the Greyhound bus. Yeah. Stopping off, you know, wherever you could, you know. All the bits know. in between that no, All one the bits... know, no one knows. Yeah, yeah, and like, I wanted to go to Baltimore because of John Waters, you know. And I just thought, I'd seen all his films, and I thought, oh, Baltimore looks fab. Got off the bus and it's like suburbia. Well, yeah. I got straight back on it again. Yeah, but it can also be like hardcore. You yeah. know, it's yeah. uh, Baltimore. Well, no, uh, isn't it where they want? Is it? Is that where the wires? That's where the wires. Yeah, from. but yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's we not... did stuff like that. We got, we went. I remember going to LA and it was before. I'm talking about the late '80s, so it's before the riots. You know, and we were like hanging out on park benches, getting picked up by people. People picked us up and said, do you want to come back to my place? You know, for bed for the night. And we were all innocent going, yeah, because it's free, because I haven't got any money. You know, and then they tried to get in with us. And, like, we had to flee in the middle of the night with they our tried bags. tried to get into the bed. That they yeah. died. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I, um, I've not had that experience. But I know even you and I, <laughs> we've walked through bits of Miami when it's starting to get dark. Yeah. And uh, it does, there can be, a, it can be quite menacing. In, yeah. in the wrong area at the wrong time. Yeah. I mean, which, which New York doesn't have any more of those places, but no. it did have probably a little bit still then, maybe. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And also, if you've got that innocence and that, like, oh, my God, we're in America, you know. Yeah, 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 they're going to find that, you. We're going to sleep in that shop. Midnight cowboy. Yeah, we yeah. slept, we slept in, in doorways, you know. Well, you're very brave. Do you just, do you think you... We, we slept as much as we could on the bus. Because yeah. we made sure that when we travelled, we got a 12-hour journey, like, at night, so that we could sleep on the bus. And then you'd arrive at 6am in the morning somewhere, you know, and you'd already saved on one night's accommodation. <laughs> and you'd arrive, like, in the middle of, like... I remember arriving in Arizona, for instance, and it was, like, 6 or 4 o'clock. It was 6 o'clock in the morning, it's daybreak, and it was, like... A thousand degrees heat, and I wasn't expecting that. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. We're just walking from the shadow of a building to another shadow, another of, a building shadow of a building. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. It was too hot to be yeah. out yeah. in it. It makes your brains. Yeah. I get a hat. Yeah. Yeah, I know it well. But you know, it's yeah. funny because you think you're telling me about all this stuff, and then you know, quite a few of us came to see you 
illumination in the middle of Times Square. I think it was your Rockefeller Plaza. Rockefeller Plaza, like the middle of, of, you know... Of New York. But not just New York, iconic kind of... Yeah. I don't know, just Times Square, Rockefeller, and, and the Christmas was a, your electric. It was the fountain. It was the fountain. That's right. The electric fountain. fountain. The electric fountain. Yeah, the illuminated yeah. fountain that yeah. was like um, thirty-five feet tall, and it was it was interesting to have told the story of when I first went to New York, picking. I remember telling uh, an interviewer when we were, you know, because that was a massive thing that we did there, at Rockefeller Plaza. You know, it was a, the height of our career. And I said, when I first came to New York, we were sleeping in doorways and I, was, I literally picked up a slice of pizza off the floor, a triangle, and it had a bite mark out of it. And I remember picking it up, you know, like this, like it was gold and like taking it back to the, we were staying in a YMCA that night, I think for, for a few nights in New York. And I was like, look what I found him, dinner. <laughs> and we, you know, we cut the the bite mark out and shared the slice and that was dinner, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, let's talk about the shadows because they were amazing. And, and I, I remember for myself, in fact, going to your old studio and I've got a great photograph of, of you two like balancing on a fucking stepladder or something and sticking one more bit of something on, 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 on the, the mass of what else it was <laughs> and then you put the light on and you go, oh my God, it's you two, you're heads yeah. and uh, being blown away by it and that's um that was, I, was around our studio huh that was around our studio yeah we ran yeah. your studio but i i um there, i think that that was what kind of put you on the map though was it i don't know it certainly when i became aware of your work yeah but, i um, suppose um gosh tim had left the royal college i'd left the royal college <laughs> <laughs> the unofficial student yeah we yeah. left the royal college then we were homeless because we the flat was right, connected yeah. to the Royal College of Art, and so we were like, and we were li- we'd been living above the Chinese takeaway above um, Clapham South Two Station. There was a, a mature student at the Royal College of Art called Mick Kerr. Do you know Penny Gavette? Uh, Have you ever met them? I don't know. Don't he was know. a mature student. He was always kind of fascinated by the fact that you know Tim and I, because Tim was a student and I was the. I was winging it and I was in there all the time. He's kind of fascinated by us. But he introduced us to a friend of his called Joshua Compton, um, who did this, this, this thing called The Fate Worse Than Death, which was in Hoxton Square. And he said, I think you'd like him. I think he'd like your, the stuff that you're doing. Tim was messing around with kinetics and, you know, and he was fascinated by the double actors. And we went and we'd never heard of Shoreditch or Hoxton. You know, that was 94. Right. And we went, there was a... No, I think we went to the 93 one, the first ever one. It was the Fate Western Death. And they... It it was like a village fate that he held on Rivington Street and Charlotte Road and invited Damien Hurst and Angus Fairhurst dressed up as clowns. And then you did something. Like, they did... they, They had a wheel with a piece of paper going around it. And for a pound they'd do a spin painting. That's when his spin paintings were invented. Wow. So yeah. they were squirting paint yeah. on these things that were spinning round. And just like, as a clown. Just as clowns, yeah. And, um, and squirting paper on these, uh, on a wheel that was spinning round, you know, like out of a ketchup thing. And, and, and you paid for it and they signed it. And that was, they, they, that was Damien's first spin painting idea that went on to be this thing. I think Tracy was in on it, doing something. Various artists, 
that this guy had asked to take. And I, we were like, fuck, this is brilliant. So we asked to take part in the next one. So we took part in the one, the 94 one, where we did, um, gosh, we did, uh, I got front covers of magazines, blew them up massive and cut the heads out so that you could stick your head through it. <laughs> like right. front, the front cover of like yeah. art magazines and stuff like that. And then I'd take a Polaroid. And then you'd walk away as if you were on the front cover of a magazine. I think that was, that was the thing. So we just got into that and we met. That's when the first time I met Tracy. That was then and, uh, and that lot. And then we got into that. And I remember, so we took part in the one in 94. Tim had just left the Royal College. And I met someone and they said, yeah, this area here, you know, there's like all these warehouses and they're all empty because like, there was a recession. And we live in this warehouse on Rivington Street and we were on Charlotte Road it was. And I looked at that and I just thought, fuck, man, this is me mega. We were trying to rent a, a flat for like £100 a week in Battersea, which was like shit. It was horrible. And so that was on the Saturday. And on the Monday, I went straight down there to the local estate agent. And I said, show me what you've got. So we, we, we actually went to Sterling Ackroyd. They were like the only estate agent in the area. And they offered us their old office building, which was on Rivington Street. And it was three floors. And it was, you know, where Mark opened up. That's yeah, how yeah. I met Mark. Yeah. So Mark opened up the first Rivington, the didn't first he? Rivington, yeah, yeah. We were like two doors away. You're right. Yeah. So, so we had a three-story building. Um, we lived on the top. We had an office in the middle, and then the ground floor was our studio. And the ground floor also had a shower in the corner, so that was our shower. And um, it was a hundred pound a week. God's sakes. <laughs> but but you still needed to pay a hundred pounds a week. So you yes. weren't you weren't still diving we for were on pizza the dock. slices. We, we, no, oh, we, right. we, we signed on. Okay. Yeah. Back then we still signed we so when Tim left college and we, we weren't making any money, but we were just ducking and diving. But we signed we both signed we signed on and we got housing benefit yeah. to pay that a thousand pounds. Sorry, a hundred pounds a week. hundred pounds a week, yeah. Which was when we got it in the end. So I think for about Three, we were there for seven years, so for three years, and then uh, and then we eventually we started making work. It was a, the studio downstairs, and then um, we wanted to do a show, and we, we had no representation. We were we'd met Stuart Shave in New York. I've been to New York again. <laughs> I kept popping over there whenever we had some money. I met Stuart. At, I think he was out there. Was it Jake and Dinos Chapman? I think, Stuart, do you know Stuart Shavers? I don't know. So he has a gallery called Modern Art. So anyway, so I, he was like working for someone else. He was very young. He was like 23 or something. He was working for another gallery. And he says, I'm thinking about setting up my own space. And I said, Tim and I make him work. By this time, we'd started making stuff with light bulbs. And, um, you know, we, was, we, 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 were getting ready to, we were getting ready to show. We had nowhere to show it. So we'd, we'd, we'd made the big love art, right. the first, yeah, that yeah. one. All right. We drew it out, you know, those were the days before you could map it all out on the computer. You know, I'd, I'd actually drive it, draw it all out life size, you know, and then get on my hands and knees with a tape measure and measure each hole, the distance. You know, I'd, I'd cut out a shape so it looked like a bulb and, you know, and I, I had, you know, so I, I was literally with a pencil drawing it, measuring the centre so it was like three centimetres from the centre of that and doing another circle like that. All by hand, literally. All, and I've got all those drawings still now, which are probably I should, we could do a show of those. The life-size drawings of the, the big toxic schizophrenia, the, the fountain piece, all of them, all by hand, me on the floor, drawing them all out. The tape measure, incredible when you think about it. Now it's all, 
used to do I bet you built them as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the two of you. Yeah, yeah. Cut, yeah. Drew them on foam yeah. mix, yeah, cut them all out the jigsaw, yeah. sprayed them all up. Yeah. yeah. And, and then back on Riverton Street, because there was no one there, you actually, well, you'd have the double doors open at weekends and you could, you could put the thing on the wall. We, we, made, we made a white wall and you had to stand across the street to get enough distance to look <laughs> back at it and go, yeah, it looks right. <laughs> you know, and it was brilliant in them yeah, days yeah. down there because yeah. there was no one in Shoreditch. It was empty. Mm. You, the weekends were fab. You had the place to yourself. We, we, we had stuff all on the street. We're making work that smelled, you know, with resin and whatever. It was all over the street. <laughs> no, it was a safety. No. And the tram shed was an empty warehouse. And so we used to, we, we befriended the guys that owned it. And they used to let us wheel our sculptures down Rivington Street into the warehouse. That was, it was just that big, vast, empty space to get them photographed. So we used to get a phot- photographer in and we used, to, we used to use the tram shed as our photography studio because we couldn't photograph, we, we didn't have enough stand-back space, you know, to photograph our work. So was it, because, you know, obviously I was partners with Mark when we mm. owned the tram shed and that, and, and it's funny, actually, you talk about all that and then, you know, of course, it's got a Damien the cock and bull in there it's and come full circle. you've got your neons yeah. in yeah. there and everything yeah. and that's, that's like the full circle. So but, the full circle, isn't it? Yeah. But was, yeah. so... Because so we so we had yeah we took the studio on and we were making started making the work and yeah. um and then we were looking for a space to show it um, you know just like those are the days when people just used to rent warehouses because there were so many but we couldn't even afford to rent the warehouse and I just said we've got a warehouse let's do it in here so we did and we shoved all of our furniture and everything up into the bedroom and then we had just three floors and it was like a gallery mm. so we. We showed the big love heart downstairs. We, we made a fountain of lights. And that was when Tim was messing around in the corner of the studio, gluing objects together, assembling stuff. Because I think I was working on something and the, the spotlight hit my face and it cast a shadow on the wall. And he was like, don't move. I'm just gonna draw that. <laughs> and, uh, and then he, he just sort of started gluing this thing together out of crap that was on the floor you know there was it was stuff and then I was like hang on a minute stuff. just bits and bobs <laughs> on the floor you know gluing it all together with a hot glue gun you know until it kind of resembled me the profile that he'd seen on the wall and then we started like and then I was like oh my god you know this is we didn't know it was really ugly it was horrible we didn't know what it we didn't know if it was any good we thought it was like Horrible. It was a horrible thing, you know. We got the flashing stuff. light. The flashing lights looked great. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, they yeah. looked like art. Oh, this thing yeah, didn't yeah. look like art. Oh, we've never yeah. seen anything like it. It was horrible, ugly. But it kind of had this thing where it made a shadow of, of us when you set an angle. And I, I, I think I suggested that we made it out of because we'd all we'd never thrown things. You'd, you've got stuff in a drawer, haven't you? Which is all your your favourite punk badge where the the pins fell off the back, but you can't throw it away. You know, like a broken pair of sunglasses, which you can never wear, but they're the best sunglasses you've ever had. So we'd got all of those boxes of that stuff, and I was like, we started using that to as the as the material. So it was it was kind of like you are sugar and spice and all things nice. nice. What a little girl's made of, you know, yeah. what a little boy's made of, and I, it kind of reminded me of that story. Like you are made of the stuff that you collect and wear and whatever. This was a portrait of because it represent everything on it was something that was associated with you it was a badge and a, it had a history pills you know stuff like that and anyway so we put it on the top floor out the way this thing that created this double portrait of us two heads on sticks they were it was 
disgustingly ugly until you've switched the light on it yeah. and it was kind of like your worst like and we were embarrassed by it and it would look like the your worst idea of what art is it was just like this mess so we put a show on and we at that point met quite a lot of people like tracy came you know and um we had quite a nice turnout and um you know and when they walked upstairs we had this light projector we triggered it by a sensor so you you saw this object in the room that was lit dimly, but looked ugly. And the idea was that you went up for a closer look to see is it really as bad as I think it is. And then you, when you went into the beam of light or, or into, you hit the sensor, the light went on. Bing! And so we were living in the bedroom with all the stuff, the clutter, because we gave over our, old, our, our whole space to have this show on. And so, you know, the door was open and people would come in and you would hear them going up the stairs and we'd hide in the bedroom or behind a wall. We, we had a peephole behind the giant love heart so we could kind of see people milling around. But it was wonderful. We heard people going up the stairs and then we'd be in the bedroom hiding behind the wall and then we could hear them, you know, they'd walk up to the object, the ugly thing, and then we could hear the footsteps walking around it. And then we'd wait and then all of a sudden the, the click would go... The shadow would come on and then we'd literally hear people gasp. They'd go, ah! you know, that's when we knew we had something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what did you sell from that when you were showing the light? Because like you say, they were quite flashy. They're overwhelming, but they looked like art, where the yeah. other thing was yes. this ugly thing. But anyway, yeah. so the, 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 the turning point was when Charles Sarchi turned up. Right. We didn't know he was coming. It was on a Saturday morning. And nobody ever got a taxi to Shoreditch because nobody did in them days. There was no taxis that would go to Shoreditch. And we had a taxi pull up, you know, and the engine running. And we was like, oh, quick, must be someone important. Let's hide behind the wall. So we hid behind the wall. <laughs> we looked through the peephole and it was Charles Sarchi with his daughter, who was little. I don't know how old she is now. She must be 20 something, but she was this tiny little thing, came in. And he was looking at the, you know, there we were hiding behind the wall, this flashing light, the, the heart. And, um, and then he went upstairs, and then he went upstairs because there were three floors. And then he left, and then there was... So hang on a minute, you've just left him to walk up the stairs. Yeah, so you're we hiding. Don't, we don't go and say hello. We knew who he was, but we don't go and say hello because we'd sent out invitations and there was... People were talking, you know, word was getting around. Sadie yeah. Coles came as well, and she bought something. So anyway, so... Um, there was a press release and there was a phone number, which was our phone. So you're like, you know, taxi left. And then the phone rang. And um, it was... Stuart Shave was helping us with the show and he was supposed to be invigilating that weekend and he didn't come because he was helping someone move a house. So it was just Tim and I hiding behind the wall and the phone rang and it was like... Charles Sarchi. I think, was it Charles Sarchi or was it... I think it was Sarchi, yeah. And he said, you know, just been to see the show and how much is this and how much is that? And we'd never, ever sold anything. We'd never made any money. Just a piece of pizza off the floor. That's all we were used to. And they, the whole show, I think, was... If we added it up, it was probably worth £11,000. That we sold... The, the shadow thing was three. The love art was five. And there was another light piece, which was a fountain. And we added it all up, it was 11. And he... Um, Did that cover your costs? Oh, our costs were nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So it was no, all it was all it was all marked profit. He he wanted to buy the heart love heart and the shadow piece, and Sadie Coles bought the piece in the middle. So we sold the whole thing. We made like eleven grand. It was the most money we'd ever ever had. Yeah. And we said, let's go to Las Vegas. 
<laughs> and we course. did. Yeah. yeah. Because all we, we were obsessed by Las Vegas. We're obsessed by America. We're obsessed by Las Vegas because of the flashing yes, lights. So course. our yeah, inspiration yeah. was looking at old movies. You know, we're obsessed. Oh, looking at casino, looking at like, you know, all those gangster movies, a lot of which were in black and white. And so by the, when, when, when he bought the work and we, we thought we'll never, we, it's not done until the check's in the pay. We got the check and then we just went to Vegas for two weeks. And you spent it all. <laughs> um, well, on flights, hotel and, you well, know. Well, of course. No, I meant you yeah. spent it all. You didn't come back with it. No one comes back from Vegas with anything anyway. But We didn't gamble. That was the weird thing, you know, because I just thought, I just have, I have no desire to gamble. I mean, I did it. Like, you know, just because you had to. But I wasn't, a, I'm not a gambler. No. Because I just thought, I gamble in my life? Yeah, well, I, I My whole so. life is gambling. Yeah, I, I've been many, many, many To gamble with money Vegas. is just stupid. <laughs> it's, it, you, it's either in you or it's not. Yeah, it's not in me I thought, suppose no. there's something that you could say, well, there's something about playing a game. Yeah. But in the end, it really is not. It would piss me off gamble. if I lost that money. That's I was it. like, what's the point? Took me so long to get yeah, that fucking money. Yeah, you're probably better that you don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I imagine. But I think that. the only thing that we stayed in the casinos um, and we, you know, pretended to gamble yeah, because they give you free drinks. drinks. <laughs> exactly, it was the free drinks. You can have, we, you we, can have a we, cup with the, pennies yeah, in yeah, it, yeah, and yeah, they're going to come serve you gin and tonics all night. Yeah, that's that was the thing. The free yeah. the free drinks was the in and out the that, every casino on the street. Yeah. I've ever been offered food in a casino. Nibbles. Well, you get it if you're a high roller. <laughs> if you get a high roller, yeah. you can get sushi, you get everything. If you're a high roller, yeah, you get yeah, the penthouse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, we weren't high roller. We were just like you know doing it because. We were more obsessed by taking photographs of all the lights, seeing how they were wired up, you know. And in them days, you know, there was <laughs> seeing like... Seeing how they were wired up. Yeah, oh, my God, and getting all the inspiration and, like, the flamingo. Do you remember the flamingo? Yeah, of course. Look sign. Still there. Still there, yeah. The flamingo around the back of the flamingo, the neon went into the pavement. And we were like, it's not protected. We were obsessed by those things. We're looking at the back of everything, you know, and, like, going up and down the strip. And, God, it was mega. just want to end really mm. about this place um your incredible house and uh i think we walked in and like everybody must be and just kind of blown away could only really be owned uh, by a creative person uh, <laughs> but that that's not because it's not homely it's, yeah. it's extremely homely yeah and um your other your other studio was was also a, a very modern kind of structure. This one's gone one step further, and uh... well, the, the I was always terrified of being, you know, coming from the background that that I came from. I was terrified of. I guess I just wanted security because I just didn't want a landlord to then up up the rent and kick me out. Mm. I think being an artist, you just want. I want my safe space so that I could just create. You know, I don't want to then go, oh, God, you know, they've put the rent up, I can't afford it, it's going to kick me out, blah, blah, blah. I was terrified of that, you know. I just wanted security. And so all I ever wanted was to buy a place, you know, and it's in some people and it isn't. Yeah. When we well, first started selling our work, I'd never had money, and so we, you know, cut a long story short, we ended up opening the gallery with Stuart Shave and Detmar Modern Art and we were with them for like 10 odd years we you know and Izzy and all that there was this whole amazing rock and roll years of you know from nothing like that making you know gradually a reputation and money and we were selling work 
And, um, but I didn't know what to do with it. Um, I'm really good at pennies and I'm really good at millions, but the bits in the middle, I don't know. It's like walking well, they into look after themselves. <laughs> yeah. Well, walking into Davis Street yeah. Marketing going, oh God, you know, yeah. it's like, it's intimidating. Um, you know, I still walk around the supermarket and get the, you know, the, 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 the stuff that's been um, reduced. Well, he certainly hasn't, got, <laughs> certainly hasn't got a bite out of it. <laughs> no, but anyway, so, um, so anyway, so we were, so, we, we, everything took off. We were making, make selling loads and loads of work and blah, blah, blah. And um, I said to the gallery, I said to Stuart and Detmar, I said, I don't know what to do with this money, so why don't you keep it? So they kept a bank account for us. But can you pay us 60 quid a week? Like, on, we're on the dole. Because that, I need to, that's all I can live off. That's how I know how to live with that yeah, 60 yeah. quid a week. You know, we probably were still signing on even. And there was one point where we probably had a quarter of a million pounds in the bank with the gallery. And then I walked around the corner from the gallery and saw that building on Chance Street. Yeah. And it was for sale. That, that, it was an old furniture factory. And, uh, you know, bought it. So it went from nothing, from being on the doll to like I'd bought that. Great. But that must have. And then you... and, and then met David Ajay and said, right. David, can you make this into this space that I want? You know. So, talk about a safe space. Mm. Well, this mm. one's a safe space. Not just yeah. by the fact you're not going to get kicked out. It's a safe space, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is concrete. It's not going to fall down. It's, it's... gone from the most. Um, Unstable. An unstable building in London to yeah. you could land on a helicopter yeah. on the roof. I mean, we don't we don't want to talk too much about it, but the previous owner was known as the Mole Man of Hackney because yes. he, he he dug down, and yeah. uh, you said they had to change the bus route for fear of losing the number nineteen down. <laughs> um, and Correct. now now yeah. it is like a bunker type. Yeah, it's like a bunker. Yeah, so um, you know where to come come the revolution. Yeah, well, yeah. we're definitely coming here because uh, it's an amazing place. And, and, and you know what? I mean, just like learning so much more about you and, and talking now and that, you know, that idea of your studio, the artist's studio home, you, you've kind of had that right from way back then. Yeah. And, and you've still got it. Yes. And, and uh, that's, you know, that's, a, I suppose, for some artists, that's great. Others not, mm. but for you, it certainly is. And mm. uh, I just I mean, want it all under one roof, you know, yeah. to, to done with. One set of bills and no commuting. Yeah. <laughs> so how much do you think you'd need a week now? Get up in the middle. Still 60 quid, yeah. I reckon still I could still about, survive well, on 60 quid a week. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I don't spend much money. No, brilliant. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, he's been bloody brilliant. So <laughs> I'm glad to... I'm proud to be a Webster. Yes. So yeah. uh, thank you. So now, bye. Yeah.